go ahead and jump right into this message, and then we'll receive the offering at the end of the service tonight and do the announcements. But I just feel like we should go ahead and and uh, read His Word and and learn of His Word. And I just this is just interesting tonight. But I had this in my heart all day long to to minister about the Lord and specifically ask the question: Was Jesus rich? Was Jesus rich? <laughs> So I know that, you know, would ruffle some religious feathers, but, you know, we're, we're bold in these last days, aren't we? And so uh, we'll endeavor to look into the Word. You know, I thank God for, for my Bible. Don't you thank God for your Bible? Isn't it interesting, the first uh, book that people want to burn when they get angry and mad and rioting and loot, looting is the Word of God. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? I think Satan can't stand the Word. So I think the more he can't stand it, the more we should treasure it and honor it and read and study it and meditate on it and act on it. Amen. Um, so tonight we're going to we're going to read some scriptures and just kind of learn about our Lord, more about our Lord. And maybe you already know all this, but it's a good reminder, isn't it? Uh, because we are those who are joint heirs with Christ. And we are those who find our identity in him. So we certainly should know who he is, who he was on the earth, and um, then identify, and, and, and as the scripture says, as he is, so are we in this world. And so uh, really and truly, why should we expect to be anything but poor if he was poor when he walked on the earth? Um, well, thank God he wasn't. And thank God we don't have to be. Amen. So let's look at, let's start out here in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7. Just for a little foundation, a little background here. Uh, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. This is Deuteronomy 8, now verse 8. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. Now, this is talking about the land of Canaan, of course, but we know uh, that religion has said in the past that this is a type and shadow of heaven. But it's not a type and shadow of heaven because remember they're giants in the land of Canaan and they fought many, many battles there. When you get to heaven, you don't have to fight any battles. There are no more giants, amen? That's the good news and that's our heavenly home that we're headed toward, praise God. And let's don't ever forget about heaven, amen? In this life, we're passing through. We are just ambassadors, um, and we're aliens here, and I thank God that heaven is our home. Amen? So this, this is a type and shadow of, of the land uh, that we inherit because of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? So then he goes on in verse 10, When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God and not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, lest when thou hast eaten and art full. Now listen to the 
listen to the words here because they're, they're so, you know what people would say, they're so extreme. But God is extremely good. He's extremely good. When Yah has eaten and are full and has built goodly houses, plural, and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. So here God's talking about abundant life in the natural realm, in the material realm, that this is what happens when people get a hold of the power of God. This is one of the manifestations. Uh, and so we can see that it's it's pretty abundant, isn't it? It's 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 pretty full of a lot of things. I mean, silver's a thing, and gold is a thing. And so uh, we shouldn't allow things to have us, but evidently it's okay for us to have things. Or he certainly wouldn't have said when. He would have said if or or maybe, <laughs> but he's saying when. When all this happens to you. Then he says, don't lift up your heart against God and forget the Lord thy God. Now that's the danger there that he's warning us against uh, when all this happens to us. But we don't have to forget God, do we? <laughs> we don't have to. Um, look at verse 17. And thou say in thine heart, my power or the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. He said, don't say that. Look what we're supposed to remember, that thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. Now, this is an amazing uh, chapter here and amazing promises, but I'm telling you, you can read all the way through the Old Testament and see that God's will for his people was blessing, blessing, empowerment. The word blessing means empowered to prosper and to succeed. And even in the book of Proverbs, you see again and again the wisdom poured out there that it is God's will for men to have things and to be fed and to be housed. And really, the Bible says if you're foolish, then you lose everything you have. Or if you're a sluggard, if you won't go to work, if you won't be diligent, right? <laughs> Consider the ant, how diligent they are. And so he encourages us to produce on the earth and to have things. God's not against that. He, In fact, he we've said this before, he created all things and he created them for us, for you and for me. I love, David and I often talk about Brother Hagin and, and he would say, what's it all for? The devil and his crowd? <laughs> the devil and his crowd? Is that who it's all for? <laughs> he said far. But we know uh, it's not for them. It's for the children of God. Amen? And really, they should look at us, they being the, the earth, the world, and the Bible says we should even cause the Jews to be jealous. Yeah because of, of the life of uh, fullness and abundance that we live. Yeah. Now, that's an awful lot, because if you've looked around, uh, I get tickled at all the the, the companies and the, the movie producers and on and on and on uh, of, of the Jewish people, but they have, they have a grasp on who they are and what they should have. And, you know, we have, and the Bible says, we have a new covenant, Hebrews 8, 6, a better covenant, Let's just read it because I want you to see it. Amen. Hebrews 8, 6. 
Now, this is old, right? We, re- we, we remember Deuteronomy's in the Old Testament. So these are good things. These are good promises for his people to walk in. But the New Testament, the New Covenant, Hebrews 8, 6 says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a terrible covenant where everybody's poor and sick and hard up and don't, they don't know what they're going to get their next dime from. No. A better covenant which was established upon better promises. So here we have better covenant, better promises. Amen? Better covenant, better promises. Now, if I gave you a $5 bill and I said, here you go. This is, you know, something I want to give you. And then I gave you a $10 bill. The 10 would be better, wouldn't it? Because it'd have the five in it and it would have five more in it. So when we're talking about better, we're talking about everything good from the Old Testament and then more. (laughs) Amen. Better, better covenant. Say better covenant, better promises. Now, so if Jesus was poor, that wouldn't be better, would it? Because our mediator would be poor, beggarly person that could barely get around with his greasy hair and a little lamb in his arms. And that's the picture that was shown for so long in my religious background. (laughs) Amen. I heard that he was so poor that he had to be born in a manger. Did you remember hearing that? And wrapped in swaddling clothes like we we thought those were rags. Right. Well, the Bible says that he was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn. It wasn't because they didn't have enough money to pay for a hotel room. In fact, they probably had enough money to pay for several hotel rooms because his dad, Joseph, was not just like a little carpenter that whittled around, you know, with a little stick and made. Yeah. Actually, you know, if if you research that a little bit, he was more like a designer of a architectural designer, maybe even a developer, you know, stone and iron, that kind of wealth. Amen. Now, remember these and we see in the New Testament in Matthew 1, 1, it says the, the ancestor, the genealogy. I think God goes to great extremes to show that the, these people, Mary and Joseph, were in the lineage of Abraham, right? And we read about Abraham, and Abraham, we sing about Abraham. Abraham's blessings are mine. <laughs> well, they didn't skip Jesus, right? He was right in the center of that. Blessed of the Lord. Blessed of God. And so his mother and his father were both blessed as well. Um, and and so, you know, you know again... Um, Jesus was not poor when he walked on the earth. Um, you know, it's interesting that out of every, two out of every three parables that Jesus taught, it was about money or material possessions. Two out of every three. Now, that's a lot of talk about money, isn't it? When you, when you think about it, like, okay, we have three services a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. If, uh, if we were going to be like Jesus, we would talk Two services about money or material things and one service about non-things or non-money. Now, that's a lot of talk, isn't it? 
But I believe that Jesus knew on this earth that's what we're going to be up against. If I asked, asked, if I ask you to lift your hands tonight, if you have a material need or if you're believing God for something and you need finances or something, you know, in the material realm to move around something, probably every one of you would lift your hand. Probably every one of you on live stream would lift your hand. And, and, you know, really, truly, if I ask you if you need healing tonight, some of you might, some of you might not, but just about every one of you would for financial something. It's it's something that we're always up against because the devil knows if he keeps Christians poor and poor-minded, that he 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 can hinder the gospel from being preached. It takes money to preach the gospel. It takes things to preach the gospel, just like this live stream camera and that computer that you're listening on tonight and this place that we're sitting tonight, this pulpit and this Bible, this Bible costs money. These notebooks cost money. (laughs) You think, you know, well, I'll just have a little Bible study and I won't need any money. Well, you have to buy chairs and then you have to buy everybody a workbook or a book that you're going to study out or a Bible. Then you have to pay a babysitter because they come with their babies. Amen. It costs money to preach the gospel. I remember thinking years ago, well, it didn't cost me anything to get saved because I was listening to Billy Graham on television. Well, think about how much that television broadcast costs him. Amen. It takes money to preach the gospel. And so we should be very comfortable about hearing a message like this. It shouldn't go against our grain. We should be those who are saying, yes, We need finances. We need material things to push the gospel forward. Amen. And, of course, he's not against you having things either. Whatever you desire, God made everything, and he can certainly get it to you. It's just amazing how he can work and do exceeding abundantly above anything that we can ask or think. Amen. So believe him for big things. I was thinking the other day, I know I've told this story. I don't know if I told it in my church or this church, but... I'll repeat it because it's been on my heart. I just, I remember a little 15 year old girl in our church and she, she, uh, uh, had a single mom and, and, you know, that she, they didn't have a lot of extra money and she said, Mother, I want to go to the Atlanta Olympics. Remember when the Olympics were in Atlanta? And, uh, her mom said, well, we can't, we can't pay for that. Sorry, you know. And she said, but I'm going. I'm, I'm saying it. I'm declaring it. I'm going to the Atlanta Olympics. And so her mother said, well, okay, you, you use your faith. Amen. And uh, so she went to a particular high school in, in Panama City that had a photography class. Well, this class submitted their photos to this contest, and they won the contest. And this contest prize was every one of them were sent to the Olympics in Atlanta. Amen. And so praise God. He can do things that we never dreamed of, never thought of, and he can do it however he wants to do it. Amen? Just to get it to us. Even if he has to make it up, if he has to create it, he'll do it for us. He already has, and so he can do it again. So let's look at, um, let's look at, uh, I'm not going to go through all my scriptures, so I have a ton of them tonight, but um, John 2 and verse 1, you know, it's interesting that the first miracle of Jesus was really a luxury item. Now, you know, you would think that it would be something really needed or really, or somebody really, really in trouble, right? Because why would we want to bother God about something that doesn't really matter? 
I mean, you don't have to have wine to get married. You don't have to have wine to get married. Now, I said that one time in a church, and this lady walked up after she said, you did back then, you had to have it. It was a part of their ceremony. You had to have wine to get married. You're wrong about that. And I thought, well, they had wine. They just ran out, right? So even if you had to have it, they had it, and they could get married, but they had run out. They didn't really need more, right? It was just probably an embarrassment if you ran out of food or drink or whatever, if you're in charge of the party, right? So uh, Jesus performed his first miracle, a luxury item, didn't really need it, but yet he did it. And I think by doing that, uh, A, this is what I feel like, is that he was really endorsing marriage. Imagine that. Praise God. You know, people ought to get married. Amen? And uh, marriage is very clearly in the Bible between a man and a wife. Wow, what an idea, huh? From God. And so we see that Jesus liked uh, that atmosphere, the wedding of Cana. He enjoyed that, and he um, turned the water into wine. And, and uh, I love just to insert this part, but that his mother, Mary, a woman kind of uh, initiated that, didn't she? Come on now, Jesus. Well, it's not my time. Well, you got to do it, <laughs> basically. I'm paraphrasing. But, uh, you know, women have a part too, amen? Um, so anyway, then we see in John 12, turn with me there. Are you listening? It just seems to me that having resources, unlimited resources, the unlimited resources of heaven at your disposal and you're, and, and they're very accessible makes you rich. Wouldn't that make you rich? Because sometimes we get confused. If we don't have five million in the bank, we're not rich. We're poor. You know, if we have, if we have ten dollars and twenty five cents, we're poor. If somebody has ten million, they're rich. Not necessarily. Not when you have access to heaven. And anything that you have need of, you're rich. Amen? So what we have to do is start changing our mindset to we are rich. Jesus was rich. And because he was rich, he became poor for our sakes that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Well, he wasn't rich when he walked on the earth. I mean, he wasn't poor when he walked on the earth. And that's what we've heard or I should say, that's what I heard most of my life, is, you know, he was just so poor that, you know, he he had to borrow the donkey to go. Well, he didn't only need, he only needed it for one entrance into Jerusalem. A rental donkey. A rental donkey. <laughs> and then, you know, well, he was so poor that he had to borrow a tomb. But he only needed it for three days. And he's out of there, Amen. He's, God is not, God to me, he's very extravagant, but he's not wasteful. He's not wasteful. And if he only needs it for a little bit, okay, here you go. Here's your tomb back. You can have it and lay there the rest of whenever. But I'm, I'm out of here. Amen. I'm alive. Praise God. He is alive. He's risen from the dead. So we see then also he was not poor when he walked on the earth because he had a treasure. And, you know, you don't need a treasure 
to hold your $2.50. Do you? Here, hold this, Judas, my $2.50. That's all we have, but you can take care of it, hold it. Well, no, there was a lot of money coming in. And we read in Luke, there was a lot of women that were supporting him. Rich women, praise God. Are you one of those? I'm a rich woman. Are you a rich woman? And we're supporting the gospel. Hallelujah. With our substance and with what God's providing us for. And we'll continue to increase and continue to support the gospel. Just like they did in the book of Luke. But we see here that he had a treasure. And this treasure that was holding the bag and the money who was giving to the poor, etc. Was also stealing from him. So he had a bad accountant. And still did really well. Amen? Now, some of us have been robbed before. I don't know if you've ever been robbed, your house have been robbed, or your store has been, you know, employment, or maybe you, you know, whatever, uh, have been robbed in some, with a bad accounting firm, or about, you know, whatever, business partner, et cetera. And, and then, you know, it really affected your lifestyle because that you were stolen from. But it didn't affect Jesus, did it? No. He acted like it wasn't even happening. Isn't that amazing? That's how blessed he was. That's how rich he was in this life, is that he didn't even care if Judas was stealing from him. Wow. Isn't that something? And I believe that tells us that, you know, people who come against us, we can forgive them and go on and just live our life and live it it in a fabulous way. Amen? With great peace and great love and all of our needs met. So Jesus, look look at John 1, because this has been another thing through my life that I heard was that Jesus didn't have any place to lay his head. And uh, John 1, 39 refutes that. It says, uh, well, let's look at verse 38. Jesus turned, this is John 1, 38. Jesus turned and saw them following and said unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? And he didn't say, oh, I don't have any place to dwell. No, he said, come and see. Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And if you look in the margin of my Bible, it says, in accordance with oriental hospitality, the guests would have been invited to remain that night. So they stayed the night at the master's house. Hallelujah. He wasn't a homeless bum living under a bridge. So we have to get this out of our mind if we're going to identify with Christ. Amen. Also, we see that he had 12 that he supported. One was a thief. And then he had 70 others that he appointed, Luke chapter 10. And when he sent them out, he said to them, Don't take your purse and don't take your money. He did not say, we don't have any money, so just good luck. (laughs) Did he? He said, don't take anything. Don't take any provision with you. That means they had provision. Amen. But he said, go and, and when, you know, basically when you're feeding spiritual things to people, they will give return to you natural things, material things. That's really the exchange that should be taking place. Part of that house that Jesus had in Capernaum, yeah. that part of, of, of Israel and that city of Capernaum that had 
the most expensive synagogue uh, other than the temple. And it was considered like the Beverly Hills of, of the Galilee. Praise God. It Amen. The best, the best. For for those of you live streaming, uh, Pastor David said that the, the synagogue where Jesus' house, Capernaum, was one of the wealthiest places in that uh, country, and it would have been like a Beverly Hills or really, really upscale neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, in the back and right. yeah. So it, it does say something there about how he lived and that he lived well. Now, when uh, when you have all the resources of heaven at your disposal, and there's thousands of people that are hungry, guess what you can do? <laughs> you can feed them all. Amen. And uh, interestingly enough, sometimes it's not money that does the trick. It's just imploring or in, in asking or invoking the blessing of God. And that's what he did. He looked to heaven. He blessed the little boy's lunch that was brought to him. And he passed it out and fed thousands of people. Amen. So we see here again, it wasn't the 10 million in the bank that did it. It was his calling on heaven. And he said uh, in the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he said that really uh, let, let, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it just shows you that it, there's the availability of abundance that flows from heaven. Amen. That's so good. And because of Jesus Christ and his death and burial and resurrection, we can operate in his blessing. In fact, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8 says, his grace, his grace is upon us. That grace to prosper in every way. Amen. Um, so in Matthew 17 and verse 24, well, let's look there. I like this. This is so cool. Do you see the resources of heaven at Jesus' disposal? Well, that was Jesus. But remember, he came to show us us. He came to show us how we are to be. Uh, Pastor David said it this morning. Really, he's the son of God, but we're also born again. So we're sons and daughters of God as well. And, and he came to show us the example of how we're to live, how we're to call on God, how we are to take our position of authority, uh, seated in heavenly places, how we are to pray and, and to uh, seek the Lord and follow the Holy Spirit. So these, these are our examples of how he, he operated. Matthew 17, look at verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they, they, uh, had, that had received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? And he said, yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children or of strangers? And Peter said unto him of strangers, and Jesus said unto him, "Then, uh, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and for thee. Go fishing. (laughs) Go fish. (laughs) Tax money. And, And found it there in the mouth of a fish. Now, who would have put that there? God prepared a way for them, didn't he? And he always will. And sometimes it's the oddest things, like going fishing. 
Who would think? But you know, God prepared a way. And when we listen to the Holy Spirit, there's always a way of escape. If there's financial bills, if there's financial problems, God always has a way for you to work through it or to get out of it. The wisdom of God, debt cancellation. I mean, all kinds of things that just been amazing stories that have happened to me through the years and that I've heard testimonies of. You wouldn't even believe it if I told you. But God can do it. Amen. And I want you to have faith tonight in God, especially if you're going through something uh, that you need this kind of help. I'm telling you right now, you know, with our country and all the situations and people are, you know, at times struggling. If you look up to heaven, God will make resources available to you if you trust the Lord. Amen. So uh, Luke 19, we already mentioned uh, the little cult that Jesus said, go unloose that colt, and if they ask you, tell them I have need of it. And they did ask. They said, what are you doing? (laughs) And he said, the Lord hath need of this. And he got it. Amen. So if you need things, listen to the Holy Ghost. Listen to what he has for you to do. There's usually something that needs to be said or something that needs to be done. Now, Another uh, just indication, and there are tons of them, but, you know, I think about uh, the the robe that he had, the tunic that was seamless, that was very, very expensive, and so much so that the soldiers that crucified him valued his clothes and gambled for them. Now, if you were, you know, greasy, poor, off the street, they would throw or burn your clothes probably. I don't think they'd be gambling for your your clothes. And, and one commentary I read said, well, you know, he was so poor, but somebody must have felt sorry for him and given him a nice robe or something, you know, um, which somebody might have given it to him. I've been given a lot of things. Amen. I mean, I, I determined years ago in my heart that I would never buy any jewelry. I just said, Lord, if you want me to have jewelry, you will give me jewelry. But I, I don't feel like it's a great investment, so I'm not going to really buy any. But I would love to have it if you want to give it to me. And, you know, really and truly, just about all the jewelry you see on me every day, I hadn't, I hadn't bought any of it. Not one piece. Amen? So, you know, God can do things without you spending a lot of money. Amen? He can. He can do things like that. And um, it's it's just beautiful how he does that. So someone could have given him the robe. But, you know, I think if he was a poor, beggarly, make, barely make it through life person, he probably would have sold that robe, don't you think? And gotten something to eat or given something to his disciples. But he didn't have to do that. He wore this robe, praise God. And it was beautiful and it was nice. And they gambled for his robe. So let's let's uh, we could go on and on, but let's close this tonight with Second Corinthians chapter eight. Did you get anything out of it? Let's identify with prosperity, Amen. Let's identify with riches and wealth. Let's don't shun it. Uh, you don't have to drive a Rolls Royce. In fact, one of my friends has a Rolls Royce, and she told me one time she she also had a Volkswagen Bug at the same time. And she said, you know, I would rather drive this Volkswagen bug than I would this Rolls Royce because I'm so scared that somebody's going to key it or kick it or run into it or throw paint on it or something, you know, that I can't park it just anywhere and I can't leave it just anywhere. And she said, it's so much responsibility. 
I'd rather just drive my Volkswagen bug. That's the truth. She told me that. And I thought, you know, I never thought about that because really with riches and wealth and, and things and nice possessions comes a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility. And I think that's, that's why some people really don't want anything because you have to fix it, clean it, park it, you know, insure it, on and on and on and on. And, and so I'm not talking about necessarily collecting things. I'm, you know, if you want things, fine. If you want a Rolls Royce, believe God for one. They, they did. She didn't buy that car. Someone gave them that car. So, you know, believe God for things if you want them. But I'm not saying you have to have those things. But I believe we have a responsibility to walk in the richness of God and in the wealth of God, mainly to get this gospel around the world and then go home. Amen? Amen? I mean, let, you know, let's really sit down and think about it. Let's support the gospel. Let's pay for buildings and churches and, and, and ministers and, and Bible schools. Amen. Let's get this, these missionaries off and running around the world. Amen. Let's get whatever it takes to do that. If it's airplanes or jet planes or whatever, don't be against, you know, people flying in their own jets. Rejoice with them. Amen. If they can go and not have to worry about all the, restrictions and regulations and, and, and scheduling and all the things. Oh my, 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 my. I could go on and on about that. God made all of that for his children, not for the devil and his crowd, not for the devil. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Who's it all for? The devil and his crowd? No. It, he made it for you. Now, second Corinthians chapter eight, and let's close with this. Let's look at verse nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. When did he become poor? Not when he was walking on the earth. He had everything in abundance when he was on the earth. He had everything he needed. It never said Jesus didn't have enough money, so he didn't go to Capernaum or Nazareth or Jerusalem. He he didn't have enough, so he just had to stay home and, and you know, wring his hands. No, he had plenty of everything that he needed, everything and more. When did he become poor? He became poor on Calvary. On Calvary's cross is when he became poor. Amen. Just the same way he became sin. He never sinned, but he became sin. He was never poor, but he became poor. He was never sick, but he became sickness and disease. So that you and I... We don't have to be sick. We don't have to be poor. And we don't have to be sinful. We can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so he paid all of that for us. And, uh, and I'll go on and read the rest of this. He became poor that you through his poverty might be rich, rich. Now, does that mean you're rich when you get 30 million in your bank account, in your savings account? No. You become rich the minute you're born again. Hallelujah. The minute you're born again, you're rich. Isn't that beautiful? Because he was rich and he lives in you now. 
And he hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the minute you ask Jesus, that ought to be, that ought to be a really, really wonderful altar call. Anybody want to be rich? You know, come up here and ask Jesus in your heart. Amen. Because you become healed the minute you, uh, get born again. You become the righteousness of God the minute you become born again and you are made rich. Now the devil will lie to you. And tell you, well, you poor thing, you don't have anything. You don't have this or that or the other. You can say, oh, no, I'm rich. Amen. I am so rich, so extremely rich. Because if you look at heaven, they are walking, dancing on streets of gold. And we think it's a big thing if we can get our parking lot, you know, paved with asphalt. They're out there painting it with gold. Now, you know, that's rich, isn't it? Think about it. We, we think we were something if we have a little gold ring on our finger. Oh, look at that gold ring. And they're dancing on streets of gold. Think about it. God is very, very extravagant, but he's not wasteful. He's not wasteful, but he's very, very extravagant. You think about a pearl gate, one pearl that's just gorgeous. Amen? Huge oyster that made that one pearl. <laughs> Hallelujah. So on Calvary, he paid the price. And I believe that uh, this needs to be taught in the body of Christ for, for many reasons. But also, but just to mention this, because this was on my heart this afternoon, uh, young people need to know that they don't have to live in beggarly world the rest of their life if they become a Christian or if they become a minister. Amen? Because the world has lied to preachers and said, well, if you become a preacher, you know, you can't ever have anything. You can't ever. I remember when when I was first uh, graduated from Rhema and I was getting married and my parents had a, a really nice business that they had built from the ground up, a motel in Panama City Beach. And one of my mother's friends came in the office and she said, Scarlett, I hear you're getting married. And I said, I am. I'm getting married. And she said, well, what is your husband going to do? I said, well, he's a, he's a pastor. And her whole countenance fell, like you'd have slapped her with a wet rag. And she said, oh my, she said, and you're used to the nicer things in life. She just patted my hand like, like it's going to be a funeral instead of a wedding. And I thought that's the, that's the perspective of the world about how Jesus was so poor and everybody was so poor and they wrapped him in swaddling. You know what swaddling means? It's not rags. It's just a, my, my doctor, when I had my child, taught me how to swaddle my child, my baby in a blanket. It's a way that you wrap them. It's not rags. Amen. So it was, and you know, so we have gotten these ideas that, um, poor, poor Jesus, you know, and now poor, poor us, because we love Jesus and poor all of us. And that's not, that's, that's really what the devil wants you to believe. But please read the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures and read Deuteronomy 28. And when you read the, all the blessings, remember, we have a better covenant based on, established on better promises. Amen. So if you read that and you're so excited about all that, just think, golly, Jesus did it better even for me. He did a better job for this. And because he's rich, so are we in this world. Amen.